want to ask you to join with me in Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19. It's good to be home, thankful for a time of rest and time of uh, just enjoying and seeing the hand of God go before you and, and those types of things. But uh, we are glad to be home. may need a nap after we get done today. We got home at 3 o'clock this morning, so we took a nap to be here. Now we'll need a nap to recover afterwards maybe. I don't know. But, uh, but we're so thankful to be home. And uh, I will say it was a little, little bit different temperature when I walked out of Indianapolis than it was when I got on the plane yesterday morning. Uh, but we will adjust. But uh, today I want to share with you my heart. And, um, but more importantly, I want to share with you the heart of, of the Lord today. And uh, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. If you're not able, I understand. But Matthew chapter number 19, beginning in verse number 16 through verse number 21, we read the following. And it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, speaking of Jesus, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which commandment? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your precious people this morning. I thank you for our time of worship, and I thank you for your presence that I feel in this room. Lord, I ask that you would anoint this vessel of clay to not speak opinion, but to speak your word and your revelation of your word that you've given me over the last few days. Lord, help me to uh, decrease so that you might increase. Let hearts and lives be changed and challenged and transformed for the glorious advancing of the kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. We find today a familiar passage of Scripture probably for most of you in this room. Um, but as I was reflecting over the last few days and meditating on the things of the Lord, I found myself being drawn to this passage of, uh, 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 of Scripture. And for a few moments, I want to simply talk to you about this simple question. What must I do? What must I do? We find in Scripture a very powerful statement that clearly turns our focus from this life to eternity. In Hebrews chapter number 9, verse 24 through 28, we read these words. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures, uh, which are the figures of the true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We see also in Ecclesiastics chapter 3, the first two verses, it says that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. Daniel, getting revelation in Daniel chapter number 12, the first few verses of that chapter, let me take us there very quickly. And we find this in verse number one through verse number four. It says, And at that time shall Michael stand up and the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they, shall be, and they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, o Daniel, shut up thy words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. What do all of these scriptures have in common this morning, one may ask? Every one of them is dealing with the subject of eternity. It is something we don't talk about often anymore because reality is we're more focused on the present than we are the future. We have been led to believe that everything is important taking place right now and tomorrow will take care of itself. And I understand we're not to fret about tomorrow, but I also understand that this isn't all there is. Paul simply said, if this is all there is, then we are men most miserable. But today I must tell you, as sure as I'm standing before you this morning, there is a place called heaven. And if there is a place called heaven, there is also a place called hell. Now I know I'm probably not going to get shout down this morning, and that's all right. But I've come to understand very clearly that we have failed to really bring into focus, in the Western Hemisphere especially, the importance of obtaining eternal life. How confident are you this morning that you have obtained eternal life? My fear today, as I see the behavior of men, that we have failed to teach the truth concerning this subject. While I believe it is important, it's very important, to help somebody and to navigate them through the process of finding Christ as their Savior. I believe that we have done a great disservice by simply teaching men to simply say, repeat after me, and then allowing them 
to believe that that's all that is required for them to have eternal life. I understand that we're not saved by work, so I'm not teaching a new doctrine this morning. But I do understand that faith without works is dead. And therefore, we find that I want to say this as gentle as I can this morning. It's not enough to say that you believe. And it's not enough to say that I confess him to be Lord of my life and then continue to live as you did before. James chapter 2 verse number 19 says it very clearly. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But the devils also believe and they tremble. We say we believe, but we don't even tremble anymore. So I have to ask the question, do we tremble? And do we really believe? This morning, we find in our text today one who was searching for truth. He comes to, excuse me, he comes to Jesus and he asks the question, what must I do to obtain eternal life? We find that it is very clear Jesus' response to him, and I want to give that to you this morning, maybe a little more teaching today than, than preaching, but please stay with me because I believe this is very, very important today. The first thing that Jesus says to this man, he simply says this, that you must keep the commandments in verse number 17. Notice he was simply telling him, if you are going to obtain eternal life, the first thing that you must do is you must walk out a life that is obedient to the word of God. And he begins to give him very clear instructions as we read together this morning. He said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and you're to honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I've heard many say in this line of thinking, well, that was the time under the law, preacher. We are now under grace. Things are different. Things are different. Uh, but let me remind you this morning very clearly what the word of the Lord says. And Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16 through 18, he said, let your light so shine before men that, you may see, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But he says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The second thing that we find in this passage of scripture, he says simply go and sell all that you have. He was simply trying to get this young man to understand that he needed to be free from materialistic things. He was not telling him it was wrong to possess things. It's not wrong to possess wealth. Because can I tell you this morning, you may feel like that you are struggling, but you are the wealthiest people on this planet. You are living in a place of abundance. And I have shared with you over the course of many years uh, numbers that reflect just how wealthy we really are. Understand that we have challenges and issues in our lives, but I am sitting amongst the wealthiest people on this planet today. You are the top 3% wealthiest people. So if wealth was going to keep you out of heaven, every one of us in this room would be doomed to hell 
this morning and we would be wasting our time. So God does not have a problem with wealth, but what he has a problem with is the simple fact and what Jesus was telling this young man. He was telling him that he was instructing him rather to not allow things to possess him. He was simply saying, use the things that you have so that you can be a blessing to others and so that you can advance the kingdom. So he was not telling him that you're wrong because you have acquired a few things, but he was telling him in Matthew 6, if we could ever get that verse of scripture in our heart, it would change our lives forever. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I tell you, uh, if you're seeking wealth and fame, you're wasting a lot of energy and time. But can I tell you that when you seek after Jesus, uh, everything that you have need of will come into your hand uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, And can I tell you this morning, he is faithful uh, to go before you and he is faithful to sustain you. Even in lean times, uh, he is always faithful. Uh, One writer simply said this, I have yet to see the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Uh, Can I tell you this morning, uh, there is no reason for us uh, to be focused uh, on a lot of the things we're focused on uh, if we really truly have the heart of God in this hour. Uh, But thirdly, and where I want to spend some time this morning uh, in this passage, he simply tells this young man, he simply said, if thou will be perfect, he's not talking about perfection in the manner that we know it, but he simply said, saying, if you will be complete, if you will be whole, uh, if you're going to be all that I have desired for you to be, uh, he said, uh, I want you to go sell and do that. Uh, I want you to give to the poor. And he said, you'll have treasure in heaven. But notice this. He says, come and follow me. For a few moments, I want to look at this because to come simply means to approach or to take position by. This is of great importance for all of us in this room today. If one decides to come to Christ, he is choosing to approach him, which means you are choosing to reposition yourself in his presence. Now, why is that important? Notice Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 through 13. It says, And it come to pass, as Jesus said at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, That they may be whole. They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But he said, go ye and learn what that really means. He said, I will have have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but centers to repentance. But then he goes on to chapter 11, and he gives this broad invitation to all of us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why are we to come to where Jesus is today? It's simply because in Hebrews 4 and 9, it says that there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Can I tell you this morning, 
It is not enough to simply say that I confess him as Lord, but we have to make a decision to come and to sit in his presence with him. You and I today are in a world where things are full of uncertainty and everybody's been bombarded by all types of noise in their life and there's all types of fear that's been released and we find ourselves as a world getting ready to be thrust into a very dark season again, unfortunately. And can I tell you today, uh, you and I as men and women of God are going to have to stand up and be the salt and the light of the world in this hour or we are going to see utter chaos uh, across the globe on a greater scale than we've ever known. Uh, But if the church will come and follow Jesus uh, in this moment of time, uh, there can be a pushing back of evil darkness uh, and there can be an illuminating light begin to shine from the portals uh, of heaven down into specific region and areas uh, and the local church will no longer be something that's mocked and scorned uh, but it'll be something that men began to run to uh, because the men that's inside of those places and the women inside of those places began to come and sit in the presence of God and begin to run after him and follow after him. But this morning, it is not just enough to come but he simply says to this young man, come and Follow me. Please stay with me just for a few moments. He simply says to him, come, follow. To follow simply means this, to come after in sequence or to accept as a guide or a leader to conform or to comply with one. That has been the example. It is not enough just to come, but one must decide to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 19, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw, saw two brothers, saw Simon and Andrew, and he simply saw them with their nets and they was doing their profession. Jesus simply said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But he also goes on in Matthew chapter 10 and He says, and he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Can I remind you of the question, what must I do to have eternal life? Matthew 16, 24 Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke chapter 9, 23 to 25, we also find, said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He didn't say occasionally, but he said daily. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? See, we find that the essence of the message that Jesus was giving at this particular time was walk in obedience to my word. Be willing to trust me and not yourself but then come and follow me willingly. And this morning I would 
pray that we would hear the word of the Lord because we must awaken to this call of this last day harvest. While it is good for you and I to be here today, this is not all there is. We are the called out ones, the church of Jesus Christ. And our responsibility is great this morning. Our responsibility is not to get up and curl our hair and shine our shoes and put on our Sunday best to go give each other attaboys this morning. But our responsibility is to come in here and to be edified and equipped to go back out those doors and to share the glorious gospel message that Jesus came, died, and rose again for every individual that is presently breathing on this planet right now. Our reward for doing that is not material gain. Our reward is not nicer cars and nicest houses. If we get those things, wonderful. But our reward is eternal life in a place called heaven where there is no more death there is no more sickness, where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering. There is no devil there. There is no demonic interference there. There is no fallen world there. But we must ask ourselves the question today, how well are we doing what he charged us to do shortly before his departure from this land? You see Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The author of the book of Mark simply said this in Mark 16 and 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This morning I must ask you the question, how well are you preaching? You say, I'm not called to preach, but I would beg to differ. We're all called to be ambassadors for the kingdom. You may never stand behind a desk. You may never pick up a title as a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, whatever, that does not release you from the responsibility that we the church possess, and that is to share the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world. You see, we find ourselves in a very critical, critical time. He has not left us in an inadequate condition, but he has positioned us to be filled with his power and his spirit to effectively touch a world. And he is faithful to go before us. You see, in Luke chapter 24, shortly before he ascended into heaven, he is speaking to the 500 by the seashore, and he simply tells them, He said, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 
And then he opened up their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is behooved that Christ is to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. But then he says this, and you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We know that out of that 500, roughly 120 stayed for 10 days in that upper room. You don't need me to re-preach Acts chapter 2 to you this morning. You know it. You've heard it forwards and backwards, upside down, right side up. But it says on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, there was a sound from heaven that filled the room where they were sitting. And the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost entered in and set up on them as fire. And they began to speak with other tongues. Devout men from all over the known world at that time was in Jerusalem at that season. And Peter, who 50 days prior had denied Jesus, stood up with boldness and power and simply said, These men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing as but the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men and your old men are going to dream and have visions. Uh, and he was simply saying, This is that. And that has been handed down from generation to generation now for 2,000 years. And you and I are sitting here today equipped and empowered by that same spirit. But yet we say we can't bring in a harvest when every day the church was added to in that season when it first arrived. What am I saying this morning is I must remind you that Solomon... A wise man penned these words in Proverbs 10 and 5. He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causes shame. God help us this morning to not be sons and daughters that cause shame. Because can I tell you, if we're not careful... We're trying to obtain something that we can't have because we no longer regard the word of God as sacred and we no longer are willing to get rid of the things that control us and we're also not willing to come and to follow after him. This morning, I pray that you hear this preacher's heart. There's a world that's dying, lost without God that are wonderful people Talented people, gifted people that could be advancing the kingdom in very unique ways. But they're lost because the church has set in a place of seclusion. And it's not cost us much to get up and come to the house of God and put in an offering and do our Sunday thing and go have our Sunday lunch with our friends and our families and then go back and do what everybody else does while the world dies and goes to hell. I sat with sinners this week that touched my heart and I love them. I can tell you this, it was sinners 
in the middle of my dinner that was simply saying, you have to pray for us. I need a prayer right now. You need to pray for us. And they was the ones asking the preacher to pray, not the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What must I do? Jesus said, come, follow me. One of the most tragic things this morning is not only is there a world out there dying, lost, but there is men and women, and I do not say this from a judgmental standpoint at all, I pray that you hear my heart this morning. We've got men and women that's been led to believe that everything is well. They get up every Sunday. They do their routine. They're faithful to their religious behavior. And they walk into sanctuaries such as this. And they're sitting. They're listening to preaching. They're listening to worship. And they're on their way to hell. Because they will not walk in obedience to the word. And they will not allow things to quit controlling them. And they refuse to come and follow Jesus. Can I tell you this is the best life to live? I walked into a t-shirt shop this week. In a... $10 t-shirt purchase turns into are you a preacher to a young man by the name of Jose Daniels that simply says this I'm a Christian but my nation needs Bibles I said I think we may be able to do something about that the Lord began to touch my heart and I got his information I went back and visited with him before I left I sat on a plane yesterday through all of the craziness of travel right now. A little frustrated just because of stuff. And I went and I sat down. The plane gets in the air. and There's a gentleman sitting on the other side of the aisle. And I began to hear their conversation. And they'd been there on a short-term mission trip, the first time they'd ever been. God strategically placing people in your life. So now I know how to get the Bibles to the boy that I need to have Bibles in another nation. Because simply, I just simply said, Lord, I'll come and I'll follow you. What am I saying to you this morning that in the United States of America, the church doesn't need to become more flashy, it doesn't need to become more worldly. It doesn't need to become more relevant to society. It just needs to once again begin to sit in the presence of God.
and begin to follow him completely. This morning I didn't come with a big message. I come with the very simple truths of the gospel. Jesus simply said, if you want eternal life, you have to come and you have to follow me. How well are you following him? How well am I following him? Because can I tell you, we are in a time of harvest. We find ourselves this week, this is just how awesome my God is. I'll, I'll brag on him for a moment as they get ready to come to the music this morning. We were sitting in a little minivan with a group of people touring the city of Porta Plata there, in that region. Mary and Debbie was talking to another couple, and he's a professor at a college near Cincinnati. Long story short, their niece married a Kurdish man in Istanbul, Turkey, where I was, and they're working and serving as missionaries there and has served there for some time. Another God moment, another God connection. But he said something to me. And because of knowing where they were and where they were working and where I've been involved in working, it's a lot of work has been going in there for years with very little results. Some numbers simply say roughly 80 million there and less than 5,000 are followers of Christ. But they've been working and laboring there for years. But he said they just called us and told us, said something's happening, something's changing. After years of no results, in the last couple months, They've had a hundred people accept Jesus in Turkey and they've planted three churches. Come, follow me. You have to forgive this preacher this morning because it's about eternity. I love you this morning. But I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm glad that we get to do life together and it's fun and it's exciting. But that's not my focus this morning. My focus is eternity. I'm here to tell you this morning that just because you sing a song and just because you raise your hand and just because you said, Lord, be Lord of my life, doesn't mean all is well. Because if we're not walking this thing out, and if we've not completely surrendered everything in our lives, and if we haven't come and sat in his presence and decided to follow after him, I would hate for you to have to take your last breath today here because your last breath here is your first breath there. And there's only two destinations this morning. And I don't say that to frighten you. But I say that to awaken you to the reality that eternity is a very long time to be without the presence of God. 
It is appointed unto man once to live, but after that it is also appointed to him to die. And after this is the judgment. If our names is written down in the Lamb's book of life, we have nothing to fear this morning. We have everything to look forward to. But if we can't honestly say 100% this morning that I am doing my best to follow after Jesus, if he isn't number one in your life, if you're not truly pursuing and following after him, maybe today's the day to pause and to reflect In this story that we read, the young man said, I've kept the commandments, I've kept the law. What am I lacking? Simply saying, you got to come and follow me. You see, if we come and follow him, we're sitting in his presence. We begin to see him in his glory. We see him in his power. We begin to follow him. He begins to mold us, teach us, and develop and We put on Christ's likeness. We then begin to feel as he feels. We see as he sees. We hurt as he hurts. And can I tell you, when you begin to see as he sees and you feel as he feels, everything in your life changes because you just can't turn it off. When you see somebody, you want to be their hands and feet that bring some comfort and peace and rest. You see, when Jesus saw those that was in a mess, it simply says he had compassion upon them. And he moved and he touched them. How many people are we touching today with our lives? Yeah, we need to be here next Sunday. But what are we going to do between now and then? Because if we've really came and set with him and if we're really following him, there's going to be a whole lot of people that we can touch. And if we can just simply save one. If we can simply save one. So what must I do? I'm going to let you answer that question this morning. Because the Bible is very clear. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't have a list of do's and don'ts for you. I'm not going to tell you you have to live up to my standard. I'm not telling you you have to do it my way. I'm telling you you have to do it his way. His word is life. His word is truth. That's why he simply says this in Matthew 9, 37, 38. And he said unto, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. I'm praying that the Lord sends you. That's my prayer this morning. I'm praying that he sends you. That he sends you to your family. He sends you to your community. He sends you to your neighbor. He sends you to our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and our utmost parts of the world. I'm praying that he sends you. I want to leave you with this in John 4 35 say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest but behold I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest 
there's somebody out there that's ripe for the picking right now. God's done cultivated their heart. The Holy Spirit's done been dealing with them. And they're just waiting for somebody just to touch them. It's kind of like some fruit on a tree. You know, when it gets good and ripe, you just have to go over and you just have to give that little thing just a little shake and it just falls to the ground because it's ready for harvest. There's a generation that's ready today. But where's the hands? Where's the feet? Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. As we stand all over the building this morning. I must ask you this question. I don't ask this question in a condemning way. I just ask this question for you to pause and to reflect this moment before we pray. If you really believe that the word of the Lord is true, and that it is something that is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, then it means we don't get a pick and choose, but we have to accept all of it. And that's when it begins to change our lives. I am reminded of the story of Billy Graham as a young man that is, is dealing with the call to ministry. reading and studying, finding his way, and he went out into the woods and took his Bible and he laid it on an old tree stump, was praying, walking around, praying, he kept coming back, and finally in his moment, he laid that Bible on that old stump and he simply said this to the Lord, he said, Lord, I don't understand all of it but I'm going to decide to believe all of it is your word and therefore I'm going to leave it just like that. And when he made that decision, his ministry began to change and he began to flourish and he began to touch the world because he come to the conclusion where I'm just, I don't understand all of it, but I'm going to believe all of it. I'm going to accept all of it. So if we accept all of it and believe all of it, we have to accept Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to you. I want to ask you this question. Are you truly seeking him first? If you and I are not truly seeking him first, please hear me. There is reason for concern. If everything else is taking precedence in your life, there's reason for concern because it questions us in my spirit. It burns in my spirit. If we're not seeking him first, how can we really truly come and follow him as his word instructs us to? There's a world that needs Jesus. Let me bring it closer to you. Your family needs Jesus. My family needs Jesus. What must I do? 
to have eternal life. I must be sold out. I must yield and I must surrender everything that I am, everything that I ever will be. This morning, where are you standing? As I hear the rumblings of a demonic release of fear, it's going to sweep the nations of the world this week. Already started. You hear me? Get ready for a major disruption. I'm here to tell you the gates of hell shall not prevail you and I can stand but we must come and we must follow as they begin to minister in song right now I'm not questioning your salvation It's not my job. I understand. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him could put their faith and trust in him that they'd have eternal life. I understand John 3, 16. I understand Romans 10 and 9 that if thou confess with thy mouth thou shalt believe in your heart thou shalt be saved. I understand that. But that's where it begins. It's not where it ends. He then says, Come. Follow me. Are you following him this morning? Let's begin to burn with passion for a harvest. If this teaching, this message has touched your heart in any way, shape, or form, Maybe this morning you don't know him as Lord of your life. Maybe, maybe you once was serving him and following after him, but you would say, Preacher, I haven't I have have stayed on course. I invite you to come. You'd say, I let the cares of life just distract me. I've let things get in the way. I, I'm not doing everything that I know that I should be doing. I ask you to come. Not wait, but come. Because eternity is real. But maybe you're here and you have a ministry call, ministry gifting, and it's lying dormant. Let me be the Paul in your life this morning and tell you what he told Timothy. Stir up the gift inside of you. Don't let it lay dormant. Because there's a world that needs to hear about him. So this morning I call us to prayer as they begin to sing. What must... I do. I must yield. God bless you this morning. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jade here. I want to thank you for watching today. I pray that this message spoke directly to you and challenged and transformed your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want to invite you to connect with us on social media and stay up to date with what's happening here at PTC. I pray that you have a great week and a great year in the Lord. We love you.